Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the John Con Report wherever you get your podcast. And subscribe to us on YouTube at Empire Media. That would be much appreciated. Today, I'm joined by the Washington Post, Nikki Javala, as we discuss the final questions surrounding the Washington Commanders leading into the first round of the draft on Thursday. Finally, after months of speculation, we'll see and know what they'll do. I'll also be joined by Tailgate Ted as we discuss a terrific stuffed burger recipe in time for the draft. Plus, he's doing something top-notch during the draft event Thursday at FedEx Field that could save a young kid's life and something that you can participate in, I hope. You can follow Nikki on Twitter at Nikki Jabvala, N-I-C-K-I-J-H-A-B-V-A-L-A. And you can follow Ted on Twitter at Tailgate Ted. You can read my work on ESPN.com. We'll have updates on each of Washington's picks during the draft. Plus, I'll do a podcast after the first round Thursday night, And again on Sunday, providing analysis and insight along with other reporters. Before I play my conversations, a couple things. One, in our NFL Nation mock draft that was held Tuesday night, I selected USC receiver Drake London for Washington. Keep in mind, it's what I think they will do. What I know is that they really like London. I know this. I know more than a few over there love what he would add to the culture of the building, too. He's the kind of guy they're looking to add. Plus he has size at six foot four. Now there are other receivers. I, are there other receivers I like better? Yeah. But London would give them something they don't have size opposite Terry McLaurin. They do not have a strong number two receiver. Curtis Samuel is not that guy. He's a good number three who can help them if healthy. London's ability to make contested catches is crucial over the middle in particular and in the red zone. Also, his wide catch radius will come in handy for a quarterback like Carson Wentz, who is not a pinpoint thrower. I like adding a weapon here because Washington lands the best big target in the draft and allows them to open their playbook a bit. Going to four receiver sets, something they could do last year, but not with the quality receivers they could do if they get a wide out and if Samuel is healthy and De'Ami Brown develops. All that is possible. I like that London can run routes from different areas. You can use him in the slot, develop the next Marcus Colston, former big slot for the Saints, for example. Now in our mock, Kyle Hamilton was gone. To be honest, I don't know that would have mattered. They have selected two defensive players in the first round under Ron Rivera. It was time for a high offensive pick. Nikki and I get into this more later, but the two things Rivera has talked about all offseason is helping the quarterback by protecting him and adding more weapons. They're all linemen they really like later in the draft. So this can be still accomplished. Yes, it's a deep receiver group, 
But if there's a guy you really like and it's your turn, you take him. That's how you get better. Now, in our scenario, the two players who tempted me as well for them tackled Charles Cross, whom they like. Again, protect the quarterback. I talked to someone there a few weeks ago, leading me to believe the desired goal was to find a playmaker, though, with that first pick. We'll see if that plays out. But Cross would complete that line. They could slide Sam Cosby inside and call it a day. And I can tell you there's that's a tempting thought for them. I know that. The other player, receiver Jamison Williams. If healthy, dude's not around at 11 to even discuss. So if teams think he'll be ready for camp, they will, Washington will not be faced with the decision, decision to take him or not. A week or two ago, I would not have considered him because of his ACL and just based on things that you hear. Late last week, I heard things that maybe there's some question about whether he'll be ahead of schedule and therefore a really good choice or a good option for them. If that happens, then he becomes a no-brainer. But when I had to make the pick, it was on Friday, about a few minutes after, honest to God, leaving a funeral, I went with London because of what I knew at the time. Trust me, there are things I'll learn before Thursday that could have that could probably change my pick. Wouldn't be the first time that pick is in, though. There was the one year that I picked Tremaine Edmonds for them over Deron Payne. It was, my choices were Edmonds, Derwin James, whom I really liked too, and was a culture changer, or Deron Payne. And I went with Edmonds because of, and I knew that those were the three they were looking at there. But I went with Edmonds because I felt like he gave you a lot more versatility. He could rush the passers, an edge guy, blitzer, athletic, young, just would have been in you. You had just added Jonathan Allen the year before. You start to you you fill out the your spots there at each level of the, of the defense. The next day after the pick, I found out after I turned in, found out that Bruce Allen really liked Deron Payne, and that's where they were going to go. So sometimes you find these things out after the fact. So we'll see what happens, but but I do think that receiver would be a good pick. Because I really think that you want to start to complete this offense and take a turn, then add another weapon. And again, I do think they'll address line later in the draft because it is something that they want to get done. And here's the other thing. If Williams is there and some team behind them believes he'll be ready and Washington doesn't, then they could always maybe entice them to move up to 11. And I'll say this again. If you think he'll be ready for camp, you take him, period. But that would be a very fast recovery. As for defensive tackle Deron Payne, there was a report that Washington wasn't going to offer him an extension. I do know that what I've been told, no, do- no doors have been closed. So I'm not, so I wouldn't jump to conclusions that they're now going to trade him or anything like that. But I also know that they have to be more careful in their planning now that they have a quarterback salary like Carson Wentz's. It's the same rationale for why they're taking this slower pace with Terry McLaurin, not even a slower pace, but taking the pace they are with Terry McLaurin. It's been a traditional pace for them. So I think, I think there's some similarities as far as how they have to plan things out. And I know like with one contract, it's not going to throw it off. Shouldn't throw it off that much as far as like, what can you do um, or why it's taking a longer time. But I do think there's more planning that goes, that becomes involved with it because you do have a number of contracts coming up that will warrant some substantial raises. So you have to really plan and then you have to find the right comps. And then the player has to believe that and the agent have to believe that those comps are accurate and that you're ready to sign now. Um, We'll see. They haven't really started true negotiations with McLaurin. They've talked, but the true contract talks, I don't believe have begun. 
So it's hard to imagine how far along things are with paying. But let's say it sticks that way and you know you don't want to pay him a certain amount. First, I get it. He's not a pass rusher and those are the dudes who get the big bucks. Also, you can't pay everyone and you want McLaurin and you want to keep the young ends, assuming they have the sort of year people hope. Because if they do, you're really going to want to see one of those guys leave. I don't know that Payne would bring back enough in a trade to warrant a deal right now. I'd keep him around, see where things go. If you and, and if you can't sign him to an extension, he'll walk and you'll likely get a pot comp pick that could be higher than what they'd get back right now. But I can't say I think it's at I don't think it's at this point um, at all. Now you never know if one team calls and says we'll give you a lot. Well then, of course. But short of that, you know, I just it'd be you don't want to give up that that tackle that easily. And they would need somebody. And I do think they need to add some D-line help in this draft. There's good depth here. But again, that would necessitate adding picks to address all that you need. But there is good D-line depth in this draft. They know it. So I would get a guy later in the draft because you need to plan. If you can't sign a guy, you need to have that. The best thing to do is to have the his, his replacement on the roster. It's a cheaper way to, to build. And it's a smart way to build. It's what you use the draft for. Anyway, that's it for me. Now let's get to my guests. Up first, my conversation with the Washington Post, Nikki Javala. What would she do at 11? We have the same position, but a different player. One note, we taped this before anything, any, well, there was any reports out there about Deron Payne or any talk about him. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back. Now here's my conversation with the Washington Post, Nikki Jabvala. Before we get into the draft talk or what Ron Rivera and Martin Mayhew talked about on Monday, I do want to talk about the draft itself and the process of covering it. I don't know if people typically, and they don't always understand what we do and they shouldn't, it's not their jobs, but you know, I always get asked too, like, are you going to Vegas? You going to Vegas? Well, for us, for the beat reporters, the magic, so to speak, happens in Ashburn. So how would you describe this three-day experience we have coming up Thursday, Friday, Saturday? Yeah. What, what, how would you describe it to somebody what we do? It's a lot less glamorous than what you see on TV. Yeah. Uh, we basically spend three days straight at the facility all day, um, just kind of watching the draft, making calls, um, texting folks, trying to figure out what's going on. And then when uh, a you know, selection is made for our team, we immediately get on Zoom or a conference call with that player. And once the round is over, we hear from 
um, the coach and GM, Ron Rivera, Martin Mayhew. And then we started all over the next day. And we it's it's more waiting than anything. So you're making it sound more glamorous than it even is. Because I, there's, I, so well, much, there's so much dead they do time. Have, they usually do have food there. They you know, do, well, they always have food. And so that's all. And I did put in my, um, when we had the RSVP to the PR staff about if we're going to be there or not. And I did put in the order for a black and mahi, pan-seared black and mahi-mahi for Thursday. So I'm hoping Charlie pays attention to my order. I am, I'm the elder statesman out there. I deserve something like that, I will say. Can, can you order two of those? <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm happy to do that. For a friend. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> But it does also, there's a lot of waiting. I mean, there were some years where you have like two hours between picks mm -hmm. and you, you know, you get off the phone with whatever, whatever pick at, let's say 47. And then, you know, you may write up something, tweet it out, whatever. And then you've got two more hours. It's like, right. all right. So there's a lot of bits being tossed about, you know, Michael Phillips, King, of, you, know, yes. you know, all of us. I mean, it's that one year we were throwing, we were out in the parking lot throwing a football around. Um, another year, somebody brought a wiffle ball and we're playing wiffle ball out there. So there is a lot of downtime, which is why I actually enjoyed a lot when we were at home for the one draft. Yeah, I agree. Because, yeah, you know, I could watch, you know, you, you pop in and out when you need it and didn't have to, you didn't have to be there till 1.30. You could, I didn't have to worry about falling asleep driving home. So right. <laughs> all those little things. But it's not exactly the most glamorous, but it is. It isn't bad though. It's listen. There's and it's always. Someone else said it's a guarantee that Saturday will be one of the nicest day. It will be the nicest day of the week. Always. We'll always. Well, when I was in Denver, the first day was always terrible weather. It either snowed or rained or both. <laughs> um, Saturday was always gorgeous, and Sunday usually too. When you're like, all right, I got to get out of this place. I can't sit here any longer. It's always gorgeous. Yeah. And then Sunday, Sunday, or Saturday, rather, Saturday, the last day of the draft, Saturday is, is always, it's weird because you feel like you're waiting around for so long. And then once the draft ends, for me, it, it always feels like mayhem because you're, you're trying to juggle the, the post round press conferences, but you're also trying to chase, you know, how many of these college free agents have they signed? Who are they looking at? Where are they going? So it's kind of just like, and that whole process is just, that's, that's literally mayhem. It's chaos. I mean, well, that, that's more of a circus. about it every year. That's more of a circus too, because a lot of times guys agree and then they change your mind. Right. So right. until you sign, like, that's why there are a lot of times I don't like to bother with some of that because guys do change their minds. Right. You know, unless there's a notable one, like a couple of years ago, um, Randy Moss's kid signing here was a bigger was a big deal because of the name and mm -hmm. just like we don't even talk to the coach or anybody until after the round is over typically back in the day when I first started they would bring out you talk to somebody after each pick they bring out the an assistant coach of that position so you could talk to them and um and, and then again at you know at the end of the day you get the GM and the coach but that's like way that's way back in the day and I don't even, you know, I think that's when we had, I don't know if we even had full-time computers yet. I don't know. I don't know. It may have been, you know, like you get the Tandy 100s or Tandy 200s. You're really aging yourself here. Oh, uh, well, I don't, I think, I think those days, yeah, I think there's no secret anymore. So <laughs> anyway, but let's get into what this draft is. And we, we did talk to May, Martin Mayhew and Ron Rivera on Monday. I'm just curious if you had a takeaway from what they said and, you know, what was the thing that stuck with you? 
Um, probably the biggest thing is, you know, don't be surprised if they trade back in the first round. Um, they don't have a third or fifth. Um, would they trade that fifth for um, Cameron Cheeseman and William Bradley King last year? That was part of that deal during the draft. Um, and they traded their third for Carson Wentz. So they're down to only six picks, um, which I think is a third tied for the third fewest in the league this year. So they need to bulk up those middle rounds. And Martin Mayhew feels like there's a lot of talent in those middle rounds. So I would not be surprised if they trade back. I'd say the other major takeaways that um, I got from that presser and just from their comments overall in these last couple months is receiver and DB. Um, those appeared to receiver DB and, and maybe O-line, but, you know, surrounding the offense with playmakers and protection, which is something Ron said, and um, finding a Buffalo nickel. Right. And I'm going to get into the O-line stuff because that's one thing. There is something that Ron has said all off season that you have to pay attention to um, with the trade back. Cause I, that was my takeaway too. And, but I think like the hard part in this draft, I think is that a lot of teams are going to want to trade back because right. they all see the value the same way in this draft. So I think that's going to, you know, how hard you know, it may not even be that 11th pick that they trade back from, or maybe they may do something with second round pick to pick up more ammo because as Martin said, it's rounds two through four, two through five, really, where you can find some starters and they only have what, like you said, the two picks there. So how hard do you think it will be in this draft to trade back from 11? I think it's going to be difficult. Like you said, I mean, there aren't a ton of teams clamoring to trade up. You always need to, that's the, that's one thing that people forget in the draft is why don't you just trade back? Well, you have to find a partner who's willing right. to trade up and there aren't that many or probably won't be that many because really because of the quarterback situation. I always think it starts with the quarterbacks, you know, there aren't, that's usually the position that gets pushed up the highest. Um, They're not always the best players in the draft, but the need for a quarterback is always so great that they get pushed up. And this year, the quarterback talent is, is just not what it is in normally in the draft. Cause I, I, in other analysts have, have said this, you know, I could see, you know, a quarterback not being taken until number 20, if the Steelers stay at their spot, so it's, you know, there may not be a, a number of options to trade back. And I think the best case scenario for them is if one or two of those quarterbacks did somehow go in the top 10, which I'm not convinced they will. But if they do, maybe you push someone else to 11 that okay. that they like if it, let's say a defensive end falls to 11, then they have a chance, I think, to trade back because maybe that's a guy somebody would want to trade up for. Yeah. You know, like that, because you may want, like, if you have Jermaine Johnson sitting there at 11, I don't know that he would be, I, but somebody's going to fall out of there. We mm-hmm. keep saying, I don't see this guy falling, but somebody will, because there are two, there's about 15 guys that you hear are going to go top 10. Well, they're not all going to go there. So if one of those DNs is sitting there at 11, I think that could entice somebody to move up there. I don't know, you know, who else it would be, but I think that's why it's going to be hard to trade back. But would you take future capital to get more picks like pick because they do have I think well they have all their picks next year no they, they lose one because it was so they have I, right. so right now if you they'll get two comp picks right that would be the thing so they would have eight picks would you take one of those to trade into this draft to pick up Ooh. more picks in the middle rounds that's a tough one because I feel like they need I help only ask tough questions Nikki yeah thanks John um <laughs> 
I feel like they need picks immediately. Um, you know, this team has said they they feel like they're close. That's why they brought in Carson Wentz. So if you do that, to me, it it's it says you feel like you need more time to build, which you look at the roster, they will. Um, but I feel like they need more picks now. Yeah, that's a tough one. I honestly don't know. And and the reason, guys, like there are some areas in this draft that are, you know, you have good edge rushers, depth, mm-hmm. depth there, good interior defensive linemen. And they have, they're going to have contract situations at those spots in coming years. So if you can't get something done, can you have somebody in your roster ready to slide in too? So that's, if if they're they're very big on talking about that planning, that would be one way that I would look at it as well. And plus like, because there's all these, like, because of the COVID year, there's so much more depth in this draft you have and older guys too. So I don't know how that they would look at that, but there is, there is some of that, but so, yeah, I would, you know, the only, the only, if everything works out, okay, they're not going to be looking for a quarterback next off season. If, right. if they are, then there's some problems, right. um, but let's say they're not. So you don't, you know, you don't have to feel like you need ammo to move up next year right. and you may be able to get more, you know, trade something next year to get more picks or whatever. But I would look hard at that, trying to add whatever way I could, I'm going to try and add some picks in that, in those rounds. Um, right, right. Like you said, with Ron, the two, the two things he said the entire offseason, every time he talks about Wentz, you've got to protect the quarterback and you've got to surround him with weapons. How much, and you touched on it briefly, how much is that a guide to what you think they'll do, not just at 11, but in this draft? I think it's, it's very much a guide. I mean, you know, last year they thought they really built out a strong receiving core. Um, and on paper, it looked like they did, but before you know it, they were as thin as they were the year before um, because of Curtis Samuel's health um, injuries across the board. I mean, the only certainty in that room generally has been Terry McLaurin. So they, they need a, another, you know, two, a two B that number three guy. I mean, they re-signed Cam Sims, but they just need more depth there. They need another playmaker. Um, and it can't all be on Terry because, you know, He's working his butt off out there, but you know, he needs, you know, another receiver out there will open things up for him and they, and they can't rely on one. Um, and unfortunately it's not, it's not really a good draft for tight ends. There's Trey McBride from Colorado state and that's about it. Yeah. And you got, um, yeah. There's, it's going to be hard to find. Yeah. But yeah, no, I, and it's a good, it's a good draft for receivers. I feel like the last few drafts have been great for receivers. I, and that may be where, you know, college football is really headed is, you know, these guys come in as superior athletes and that's one position where you can find a lot of talent that may also allow them to find a really quality player in those middle rounds and save the first round for another position. Um, But I, you know, going back to your original question, I do think that is a guide for how they feel is they, they want to build around you know, this, and, and they should, they invested a lot in Carson once they gave up a lot and they're taking on a hefty salary. So they should want to invest in him and they need to make this work. Um, so yeah, playmakers protection. They lost two starting guards, not just one and Brandon Sheriff. Um, they signed Andrew Norwell, but y- you'd like to think they can get more than that up front. Um, they need depth across the board. Um, so, yeah, and I, I think that is a guide. And I, I still think they would look at DB, but we'll see. 
We'll get to that in a minute. So what would you do at 11? Which, which area would you want to, would you, and I know it's like, as, as Ron would say too, it's how does the board fall? So it's easy to say, well, I would take this yeah. guy, but guy might not be there or someone else might be there, but what, what would you, in an ideal situation, what would you like to see them address first? I feel like they can get a quality receiver in the middle rounds, but if Jamison Williams is sitting there, take him. Absolutely take him. Um, if he's not, I, if Kyle, Will, Kyle Hamilton is available, take him. If not, trade back. Those are, those are really the only two that I think if they're available, you take them because then you, you got an instant playmaker on offense. You've got that versatile DB on defense. But if, if, if you don't have that instant contributor, trade back and get some get well, some that's depth. that's a question then with Jameson. Player. That would be the question I have with Jameson too yep. then because it really depends if his <clears throat> if the medicals check out okay. Not just check out okay, but like if you think mm-hmm. he's going to be there in training camp, which would be a very, very fast recovery, does right. that change the thinking? Or if they say, you know, it could be nine or ten months, which would be September, October, yep. how does that impact the thinking? Yeah, I mean, that could preclude them and a number of teams from taking right. them. But I still think the potential there is so great that you, you have to seriously consider it. I mean, to me, he's the best receiver in this draft, and it's a deep draft on receivers. Um, you know, I, I think Garrett Wilson would be another great option. I know, you know, they like Drake London from USC and Chris Olave from Ohio State. You know, I'm, I know you love the fact that they probably could have an all-Ohio State starting receiving core. <laughs> Um, but, um, I, 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 to me, he's the most refined, um, receiver in this draft. So you, if you feel like he's close, I, I would still take that risk, even given their injury history at, at receiver. Well, that's me. what I was going to ask you too, yeah. because, you know, coming off a year where they where the whole Curtis Samuel thing was right. an issue and you know how some fans are going to be like, how could you take another guy? Right. I mean, Curtis Samuel was not hurt when he signed here. Right. Um, so right. How, but how could you have that after that then go do this? Because my question then for, and I'm with you, like if he, first of all, if people are confident in his medicals, he's not there at 11. Right. Exactly. He is, yeah. He's yeah. Going, cause, Cause he is a playmaker and he's got yeah. the ability to impact. If you want to put him on returns, you can do that, which I don't know that I would do that. If you're going to play him from scrimmage, especially right. coming off an ACL, I wouldn't do that. But the other, the other thing, though, that I wonder, if you're not coming back to the field until, let's say, September or late August or whatever, where are you at in your knowledge of the offense um, on the field? Not just book knowledge, but on the field. And does that impact – how much does that impact your first year? Or You know what I mean? And that, those are things that I think they all have to ask. No, and, and I think that's a good question. And I – I always go back to, and, and things have somewhat changed in recent years, again, going back to the quality of talent that you're getting at receiver. But for many years, I felt like first-year pass catchers always really struggled in right. year one. And we've seen that here even, you know, AGG, um, you know, it's a number of – too, too. Uh, yeah, I mean, a, a number of guys come in, and it's hard. Deami Brown struggled in his first year. So how – how do you find a guy that a, you know, is going to be healthy and B you believe can acclimate pretty quickly. And I remember asking Ron this what was it, at owners meetings. And he, he said this year, you know, more than other years probably helps because you're able to meet them in person. You're able to talk to their coaches in person and get a better sense of 
kind of who they are and how they acclimate, how they learn, how they retain information. Um, so I think that's that's a big part of it is finding a guy that can step in and even if he doesn't have a ton of time can retain the information quickly. And that's another thing that Ron, you know, stressed at not receiver, but at other positions is finding somebody, you know, like the third string quarterback, finding somebody who can step in and and make plays and can retain information quickly. That's a big piece of their offense, frankly. And I think the two things, when you look at the receiving core, they don't have anybody like Jamison Williams. Now they have guys with speed, like Terry has speed. Deami Brown has speed. Um, Curtis Samuel has speed. Jamison Williams is a different kind of playmaker. So mm-hmm. that's, so he adds something there. I also think Drake London offers them something they don't have, which is that size. And I think the ability to make contested catches and right. Carson Wentz, not known for pinpoint accuracy. So if you have a guy who can reach over here, over yeah. here and expect, expand that catch radius with who's six foot four I think Mm -hmm. it it helps Carson Wentz so I think that's another and I know they really like London obviously we you know we know that but um but that's one that's another that's an aspect to him that if they went there he does offer something they don't have so I I think that's what you know you want to get but even he said that I don't know if he's you or someone else asked him about the size thing well Mm -hmm. the goal is to get a good receiver first if they tried to get was it? I can't remember the year, but it was the year they drafted. Um, there was one year they went in the draft. It was maybe 2009, something like that. But they they wanted to get big receivers. That was the goal, you know. And the owner wanted big receivers, so they they traded out of the first round. They could have taken Deshaun Jackson. They said they get three second round picks, and two of those were big receivers, Malcolm Kelly and Devin Thomas, and they did nothing. And Malcolm mm-hmm. Kelly was six foot four out of Oklahoma, had issues with the knees. The training staff told them he may have a hard time practicing because of these knee issues and they took him, did nothing, but they were so intent on getting a big receiver that they overlooked good receivers, which is what you need first and foremost. So, you know, I think that'll be an interesting one because if there is confidence in the medicals, Jameson's got, it would have to be the guy there if he's there. Right. Mother's day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. O-lineman. And so I do think they're going to take an O-lineman. I do think there's good depth in this class. If one of those top tackles fell to 11, it makes it really interesting depending on who else is there. Do you think they'd go, do you think they would do something at 11 with that spot? I wouldn't, I would not be surprised by anything in that draft. That's my blanket caveat in all of this. Just like save myself. I would not be surprised by any of this. Now they, they resend Charles Leno at left tackle. They have Sam Cosme on the right side, but you look at what happened last year and even the year before where they're cycling through down to like, you know, the studs of their offensive line where it's, you got your fifth string, <laughs> basically your fifth not string. Studs as, in, not studs as in studs, you know, like, like as in, yeah, the very, you know, like me. Bottom. Yeah, yep. right. You're, okay. yeah. Yeah. Thank you. John. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but they, they, they need depth. And that was, right. 
that was the hallmark of that line last year is they could continually cycle guys through and it, it didn't feel like they, they lost a step. Um, so, you know, I, I think anytime you can find those versatile linemen that can play multiple spots, yeah, take them. I mean, I, I think those guys are, I mean, that's a premium position. If you got a guy there that you feel is the best player on your board, sure, take yeah, him. Yeah, and, and I think and it wouldn't shock me, too, if one of those tackles fell, you can slide Cosme inside. And right. it gives you a really good right side line that, that I think would excite them more so, maybe more so than, you know, I think if you take Charles Cross, they might be more, they're going to be more excited than the fan base would, but it may be a really good pick for them because the depth is, you know, there's depth. That's the good thing about this draft. There's the areas they need that they want to address mm-hmm. Buffalo nickel um, receiver offensive line. There is depth at each of those spots. Right. So I think that's a bonus for them. So let's get to the Buffalo nickel and um, Kyle Hamilton can play, but what's your sense on, on what they're looking for there? I think versatility for one, I keep coming back to that, but I, I think that's just such an important piece of their defense. Um, you know, somebody who can drop down, um, be sort of that enforcer role who can a sound tackler um, blitzer who, but can also, you know, fall back into coverage. I mean, Cam Curl played that position beautifully as a rookie. I don't know that they'll be able to find that from somebody in year one. I think he was kind of that, that overlooked gem in a year where there was just, you know, had there not been the COVID year, I think he would have been gone many, many rounds before. But I, I think that's a big thing. And, you know, as Ron said, they've, they've, use safeties there they've used linebackers there but I I think it's important that you need you have to have somebody who can both stop the run and fall back in coverage to me that's kind of that Mm -hmm. um Swiss army knife position for them so it's 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 difficult to find a player like that coming out of college and seeing how it can translate in the pros but um because there are a number of good athletes but can they handle you know the tasks and responsibilities of that position because it's significant and there are, there are, you know, Kyle Hamilton is one guy who, who is a possibility, but there's also, they had Daxton Hill and he's a different sort because that, that's where the versatility of that position comes in because as he said, you play to that player's strength. So if you're using three safeties, well, what does that guy do well? Well, Landon Collins played in the box well. So you're going to use him differently than if you got Daxton Hill from Michigan who could cover in the slot, but also play safety. So right. different, like, Jaquan Brisker from Penn State um, could play more of that Buffalo nickel that they with how they use Landon Lewisine from Georgia, another guy they like there. So you have different things. And I think that's why he talked about the versatility of the position, because it will depend too a little bit on who they end up getting and assuming they get somebody there. Um, right. How important do you think that's become to their defense? I think it's become hugely important. I think the nickel in general has become the base defense for almost for, for many teams. I mean, you talk about three, four, four, three. I mean, uh, teams play the majority of their snaps and sub packages and Washington has played the majority of their snaps and nickel, and they like to go big with typically a safety there. Um, So I think that's hugely important. And you look at last year, you know, they struggled in the beginning their numbers weren't stellar in the latter half of the season, but they certainly played better and more consistently when they, you know, move Landon into more of that hybrid role and relied more on that three safety set. So, you know, I think it's, I think it's hugely important to their defense and, and kind of how they, they view that coming together. Um, 
coming forward. Right. And to their point, like there was an eight game stretch in there after, I think it was after the first four games, an eight game stretch, they were right around the top 10 in yards and points allowed. They're right in that range. I think one was top 10, one was just outside there. Some of that was also the ball control that they use in offense, but, but, but you're right. They were better in that look. And I think they really realized that. So is there a position that you that hasn't been discussed enough as far as like needing to upgrade there or needing more help there? Uh, linebacker. Um, <laughs> and there, you know, again, there's not a, a ton of options. There are some really good players. I really like that Chad Muma from Wyoming, but I don't know that they'll have a chance at getting him. Um, but they still need that, that Mike linebacker. They thought they had it in Jamin Davis found out he was better suited for the outside. Now they're pumping up Cole Holcomb. I do wonder if a lot of that is because they don't have another option. They kind of want to, you know, sell the fan base on, you know, look, he has developed, which he has, that's not, you know, a discredit to, to what Cole Holcomb has done over the years, but it is a sharp turn from what they said at the end of the season, but I think that is a position that that needs upgrading, no doubt. Um, and they've, you know, for the last two years, I, I think they've tried to find ways to compensate for either their lack of depth or lack of talent at linebacker. And that's a lot of the reason I feel like that, you know, Landon ultimately moved in that role and it worked out well. Um, but, you know, I, I think they need help there. Um you know, I could, it, it tight ends, another one, you know, you hope Logan Thomas is fully healthy and can stay healthy, but it's really just John Bates behind him. It, I, hard to say if Samus is, <laughs> Samus Reyes is ready to jump in. Um, but Ricky Seals Jones is not, is gone. He's with the giants. So you need depth there. I mean, that's another position where they've cycled through to, you know, the, the very bottom of their depth chart. And, they found some good players in doing that, but they, they need more. Right. And, and I think linebacker is an interesting one because of how much they play in the sub. So you're not using three linebacker sets often, but you do still want that guy who can play. If you're going to, you know, a five, two look, which they like to do. Um, do you have two linebackers who can handle those responsibilities and can Jamie develop there and can Cole? Cause when Cole was, when Cole was just freed up to play outside a couple of times, he was really effective. So I think they'd like to get back to that, but you know, you're not, I don't, you're not going to take one. I'd be really surprised if they took one at 11 um, because, and Ron even said one time when we were talking with the league, he said second, you know, after that first round would probably be the the wheelhouse for something like that. Like you brought up Muma, there's Troy Anderson too, from, you know, from Montana that another one, there's a few other guys too that can play that. And it does give you that, you know, if one of those guys can play in some of that Buffalo nickel role and Anderson would be really good in that because he he's played everywhere in college. So he's got that athleticism to do that. Could you do that with him? Um, and that, and then you maybe you solve two issues if you get that guy. And I think that would be an ideal thing for them because they do. It's funny because the more we talk, the more you like you say, well, what do they need? Well, and they'd also they they hosted running backs. You know, they, mm-hmm. they would like to get another running back. Do um, you'd like to add another young pass rusher? Mm-hmm. Um, so suddenly now we've gone from six to needing about 10 picks. Right. So that's why I think there's going to be some movement. Even, even Martin said, they're not going to end up with the same six picks that they have right, right. now. Right. Um, so, you know, that, that'll be, that'll be, but you're right. Like I, those are all very important. And they, you know, Nikki, what they need as much as anything is that depth, that line, because they don't have, they yeah. have very little depth. Like, 
you know, David Mayo is a backup, really should be a backup to a backup, you know, be a special teams guy. And you go in there, you know what you're doing, but you need more, you need a lot more depth there. A couple more players, good couple more solid players that can contribute. Um, Two more things, Terry's contract, any takeaway there? Yeah, I mean, they still seem confident they can get a, a deal done. They didn't put any timeline on it. Um, Terry's been at the offseason workouts. As, you know, I was totally not participating in on-field stuff, but you have seen, you know, f- photos and videos from the team that they put out, and he is in the weight room with the team. He's there. Um, I, I believe they get something done. I don't know it's as close as – Martin maybe alluded to in the presser, but I, I would not be surprised if they get something done. And honestly, they really should. I mean, this team needs good press. <laughs> Give Terry a good deal. If you're not going to pay him, who are you going to pay? And, you know, that if, if there's anything that would probably get fans excited, it's about rewarding that kid. So they really yeah. should get it done. He is, he is one thing that they feel good about. Yep. And, you know, it's funny because – with all the receiver money, the money that receivers are getting, and there's so much depth in the receiver classes in the draft, I'd be reluctant to pay a receiver monster money. But he kind of transcends position right. for what he means to this fan base and the franchise because he is a culture setter, but he's the guy that you want representing your franchise exactly. in so many ways that he kind of transcends my thought. Like if it's just a really good receiver – I'm going back to the draft because I don't know, do I want to spend 30 million on a receiver when I can get a couple guys here, not at your level right now, but is it close enough? And I have this quarterback that can make it work with them. Terry, you got to keep. And there's, there's no doubt about that. Then the other two, Curtis Samuel and Chase Young um, takeaway on the updates there. Yeah. I mean, they, they both feel confident in the progress of both Chase Young, obviously coming off the ACL Curtis Samuel coming off what was it? Hamstring and groin injuries. Um, I actually talked to Curtis yesterday. Um, he's, he said he's fully healthy. He's been training at Bomaritos in Miami alongside Terry, um, for much of the off season. He's been at the off season workouts. So he feels confident. The team feels confident in him. Um, the question with both guys, obviously, is how do you look once you get on the field? Now, the the timeline on Chase, it, it, to me, is a little uncertain. You know, I've, we, we've seen him walking around. We've seen photos of him in the weight room. He, he looks good. He's got his strength back up. But where he's at in terms of, you know, the ability to, to cut, which is always, That's always huge both guys, yeah, at, at those positions, um, we'll see. And, I, and those are two players that you really – you really shouldn't rush at this point in the offseason. No. I mean, I'm no doctor, but they are like, they're so critical to your offense and defense that you want to make sure you really get them 100% entering. No. And that's why even like we've seen pictures of Jamison Williams where he's running, which right. is great at this point, but it's always the lateral cuts because exactly. even when Darius Geis was here, you'd see him doing these sprints in the offseason, then you get to camp and he can't cut a certain way or he gets hurt like that. So you never know until they get back out there where they're really at and you know, but I know like with Chase, he was running a little while ago and doing it pretty well. But again, it's the lateral movement. And with you're right with Curtis, make sure he gets to camp yeah. healthy. That's the only goal here this offseason. How, what kind of mindset did you feel he had after talking to him in his mood and I guess everything? He, he seemed really excited, honestly. You know, it was the first time. And we, we only talked to him really a, a handful of times during the season, but it was – his tone and his mood seemed a lot different than the other times. I, I think he does feel a lot more 
confident. And I would imagine for any player going through that during the season. And of course you got all the noise on social media who are questioning things. Right. And I would imagine that'd be, can you believe it? Um, (laughs) What is this? I know. Um, I I would imagine that'd be very tough on a player. So he does feel like he's, he did seem like he, he was, you know, confident and really felt like, you know, maybe this is finally behind him, but we'll see. If he's healthy, do you, does that impact? And they, they said this, but for you, would that impact getting a receiver? No, it doesn't for me. No, you need another one still. Right. There you go. Thanks. We'll end on that one because I'm with you 100%. (laughs) Get one. And plus, like, then here's the other thing. Like, imagine these lineups. If you had, let's say you got Jamison Williams, Terry, Jamison, you can throw a four receiver set out there Terry, Jamison Williams, Curtis Samuel, Deami Brown. That's some speed. That's solid. Then you can put Jamison. You got height. You got two big guys, you know. Cam Cam Sims is not small. He's not. But he's also like he's not going to project to a number two receiver like right. a Williams or Drake London or someone like that would be. Right. Um, and, um, you know, you could throw J.D. in the backfield. You have Logan Thomas with that group. So you, you were able to create a different dimension to your offense by doing that, assuming they're all healthy and productive. You know, Deami Brown has to take a jump up too to get to that point. But if he's your fourth receiver in that set, probably not a bad thing. So I think there's, there's some ways that they can get to, which is why I'm still, even if Curtis Samuel's healthy, De'Ami Brown develops, that's great. Give me another one. So there you go. No, exactly. Exactly. All right, Nikki. Thanks, Nikki. Appreciate it. And we'll see you out there Thursday night. Sounds good. After this break, I'll be back with tailgate Ted, what he's doing to help a young cancer patient Thursday night at FedEx field. He's trying to find a match for a donor. Pay attention to how you can help. Plus, in an awkward transition, we also talk about making some stuffed burgers. Welcome back. Now, here's my conversation with Tailgate Ted. Ted, I brought you on to talk about two different things. One, about something you're doing at the draft party for with, with the commanders. And then also a very awkward segue into stuffed burgers. But I want you to, let's start off with what you're doing at the draft party, um, I believe it's Thursday night, correct? That you'll be doing this. Correct, John. Yeah, thank you for having me on. You know, it's, sure. it's always great to talk to you. But yes, this Thursday, the Commanders are allowing me to set up a table at the draft, and there's a young boy that lives in our area. He's 13 years old. He's relapsed from cancer, and the Commanders are allowing us to swab different people that are willing to come to the draft and try and be a match. It's actually a nonprofit organization that looks for potential donor matches for people with leukemia lymphoma. So it's a very painless process. We've all been poked and prodded with COVID tests. This is just a 20 second cheek swab on both sides of your cheek. Come out there, we'll send the results out to the system and you'll be entered into the registry and hopefully help someone out there be a match and help them with their leukemia lymphoma. What's the nonprofit organization? And if people, not everybody who's listening to this is going to be able to go. So is there a way that they could even get involved without being there? There's definitely a way they can get involved without being there. I know not everyone's local to FedEx or even really wants to go out there and deal with that traffic. They can simply text the number 61474. And if they text LLS for Colin, C-O-L-L-I-N, I'll have that on my Twitter they'll get information on how to get a kit sent to their house. 
And what's the, what's the nonprofit organization? BeTheMatch.org is the name of the nonprofit organization. So they take care of all of the bills for all the donors. So if you are selected, most donors are selected in their local area. But if you do have to travel, they will pay for your accommodations. They'll pay for your travel. They'll actually pay for your salary if your job will not give you time off really? to just do the transplant. And a majority of these people that have the matches and the transplants, it's just a very simple stem cell piece where they just take out stem cells from your blood and it just goes right back into you at that point. It's not a very invasive procedure. It's very, very simple to do. And there's a lot of people out there that you know can really benefit just from a simple cheek swab. How did you get connected with this group? So Julie Donaldson is actually running and working with the Leukemia Lymphoma Society for her Woman of the Year campaign. I'm actually doing the same thing, helping raise money for LLS. I did an event at the Washington Nationals this past weekend where really, you know, it's, it's a great cause. You know, it's a cancer that they have a cure for. And, you know, let's try and see what we can do to help strike out cancer, frankly, and just stop it. And it's something that's very simple. And we try and give back during football season, but, you know, it doesn't mean that we can't do it during the off season as well. So I wanted to dedicate my time in the off season to this leukemia lymphoma campaign. Where will this booth be set up? It will be easy to, to spot and get to where will it be set up. So it's going to be in the lower bowl. They haven't given me the exact location yet. Just look for the loud guy down there in his letterman jacket that doesn't have a grill next to him, even though we probably should. <laughs> All right. There's our segue after a good cause. Now we get to um, the grill and Wanted to bring you on because we were talking about this stuffed burgers. That's the recipe today. So what walk through, I've made those. The kids love them. To be honest, Ted, like one reason why I stopped doing, actually, I just did them recently. They didn't, weren't expecting it, threw some cheese in there, but I started making them special to order for everybody in our family. And then it became, I felt like I was a chef. And so <laughs> You know, some could like I could stuff them with mushrooms and onions and cheese or some just cheese and some no cheese. So tell me, walk me through what you do for your stuffed burgers and how you get so them good. I like to make it kind of, you know, a make your own pizza type adventure, just kind of like how you talk, John, where you were doing it custom to order. But I want people to make their own burgers. So we'll have a stuffed burger bar, if you will. And one big key is the meat itself has to have a high fat content. Yes. At least 80-20. If you're trying to go lean, go eat a salad. This isn't time for that. <laughs> this, this, this is not for the lean crowd. No, no, no. I agree. It's got, listen, I think it's got to be more than 80-20, but that's a minimum. Yeah, it's a minimum. Some people can't find more than 80-20 at their grocery stores. So don't be discouraged. That's good enough. But one thing is if you're going to stuff it with onions or mushrooms, you've got to cook those ahead of time. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Onions and mushrooms release a lot of water during the cooking right. process, and it's going to ruin your burger from the inside out. Yeah, and I always I always do that first because it gives, yeah, because I would never cook them inside there, but I always do it that way. So what are some of the, what are some of the things that you will stuff it with? So I like to do themes with it. You know, if you've never seen one of my menus for a tailgate, it's always themed. So I've got like a pizza stuffed burger where I'll take pepperoni that you're just going to put on a pizza. And I'll slice that up in the thin strips and put some shredded mozzarella inside there and top it with some pizza sauce at the end. You know, mm. uh, light, a nice kind of herb butter. People don't really make yes. butter at home. 
it sounds kind of intimidating, but really all you're doing is taking sticks of butter, sticking it in a food processor and sticking different herbs you like in there. I like garlic and rosemary and thyme. We'll put that in a food processor and then scoop it out and put it inside a container and I'll just put it in the freezer. And when I'm ready to make that burger, I'll just slice a couple pieces in and actually stuff that in the burger. So when you're biting into that burger, all those juices are coming out and it's basting the burger from the inside itself. I have done that as well. Now I did not go through the food process, but you, you gotta, you have to make sure if you're not doing it that way, you've got to make sure you refrigerate it for a couple, you got to, it has to be, it has to be taken out, softened, mix some herbs in there, and then stick it back in the fridge for a few hours to make sure it, it hardens back up and gets that flavor inside there. That is, that really makes it very moist and tasty. Oh, definitely. We made butter burgers at a couple of tailgates several years ago, and it was great. But if the butter hasn't cooled off or hasn't actually gotten cold again, then all you're going to do is just melt the butter before you even right, get a chance right, to cook it. Right, 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 right. Yeah, you, you're right. It's got to be, there's, there's a problem. And you, you have to allow for time for that. So if you don't, then it's not going to be as effective. So um, what about like, what cheeses do you, because typically you're going to see the, the cheese gushing out. Like what do you, do you, which cheeses do you typically like to stuff it with? I guess it's a personal preference, but for you. It, yeah, I mean, personally, I like a nice, easy, melty cheese. I mean, you can't go wrong with a Juicy Lucy. I, I think that's what we all think of when you think of a stuffed burger, like a nice cheddar cheese, right, right. an ooey gooey cheese. But I also have, it's a caramelized onion, mushroom, and then Swiss cheeseburger I like yeah, to do. Yep, so all that. of that sitting inside there and that Swiss cheese kind of gives it a nice added depth. Because I love mushroom and Swiss burgers. But I was going to say, that's exactly what I was thinking of. Exactly. Yep. To be able to put that inside the burger you know, and to have so many different options, really, you can make it fun. I do a chorizo burger where I'll actually do part beef and part chorizo. So it's kind of like a half smoke in burger form, if you will. And I'll stuff it with some green chilies and some Mexican shredded cheese. And then now, get some of those tortilla strips on top. Instead of like a crispy bacon, you've got a tortilla strip there for some texture. Key to making sure that when you stuff it, it doesn't break up while you're cooking and all that. What's the key to making it, make sure that it's stuffed well? So when you make a burger in general, not even just stuffed, just a burger, a lot of people handle the meat too much. You don't really want to just kind of manipulate that meat and just grind it down. You want to season it lightly. You don't really want to get a lot of warmth on it. And what I use, it's a little bit of a hack, but to-go soup containers. I'll make the little meatballs itself and then put them in a to-go soup container, one on each side, and then press them together. So you're not actually using your hands to form the patties. Mm. You use the to-go container to squish it together. That way you're able to squeeze that burger down, keep the stuffing inside of it, and then at the end, you're crimping down the sides of the burger all at the same time, because this way nothing falls out and you're really sealing everything in. And just make sure when you put that stuffing in, we kind of, as Americans, tend to overstuff or overfill right. things. You know, my burgers are a mile high and I can't fit it in my mouth. Well, if I stuff it, I don't have to worry about it. But you don't want the stuffing filling out the end. So you want right. to have some room towards the end to make sure you can actually pinch the burger together. So are you stuffing them? Are you shaping the patties, then stuffing? Are you, are you mixing it all in and then shaping them? I'm shaping one patty, 
and then putting the stuff in the middle and then putting the other patty on top of that soup container and squishing it down. And so how big are your burgers when you're doing that? I try to make them, you know, it, it's hard to say when you want to say how many ounces because people right. don't really relate to that. Right, right. I want my burger to be a little bit bigger than my bun. So I don't want to have a bun and have the burger just look like a slider inside there. I want that burger, if I'm biting into the bread, I want meat at the same time. So for everybody, depending on where you're shopping, it could be different when you're making that patty. But the key thing is, you don't want to make it super thick because the outside is going to get cooked before the inside does. Right. And then on top of that, it could fall apart because some people tend to try and flip their burgers more than once. With a stuffed right. burger, you only want to flip it once. You don't really want to flip it a couple of different times. You want to make sure that it starts bubbling up, that fat's releasing from the top, and the burger is not sticking to the grill anymore with a spatula. You flip it that one time and you're good to go. That way you don't have to worry about it falling apart. So I try and make sure the burger isn't gigantic, but it's just perfect for whatever bun I'm gonna use. There you go, Ted. I gotta be honest, I shouldn't talk to you before lunch because now I'm starving. <laughs> so next time next time we talk, I'm gonna make sure that I eat first. It's kind of like going to the grocery store. I, want, I, should go, I shouldn't go there when I'm hungry because then you wanna buy everything. So now I need to go make some stuffed burgers and that'll be the next thing this weekend. So. My family will, will enjoy it. So thank you. But next time I'm not coming on here hungry. So there you go. <laughs> thank, thanks, Ted. Well, thank you, John, for having me on. I appreciate it. Sure. That's it for this episode. Thanks to Nikki and Ted for joining me. And thank you for listening. We have survived months of speculation on the draft. So after months of talk, the next time I talk to you, we will discuss who Washington actually selected. I'll talk to you next time.